0: hello hello welcome to 30 and a bit each episode i try to solve one of the questions you run into after hitting the big three O, together with an expert today's question is how can i improve the relationship with myself I've been a fan of Erin for a while. Her story is super interesting and what she's focusing on right now is also very cool, which we'll talk about mostly. She's got some great tips on how to work on the relationship with yourself and how to grow your self-believe because she has come from very far herself. Let's jump in. The facts and figures of today, starting with the Women's Confidence Report from 2021. 66% of women rate their confidence between a 0 and a 6 out of 10. Only 3.5% would give it a 9 or 10. Mexican women are the most self-confident women in the study, with an average of 7.7 out of 10. Another study of 2000 American women age 30 and older reveals that nearly two thirds believe that the older they are, the more confident they'll be with an average woman feeling most comfortable in her skin at age 32. Today's exciting expert is Erin Dearing. In 2012, she co-founded Triangle Swimwear, which became a company valued at $200 million. She left the business in 2018, and now Erin is a holistic mentor, educator, and speaker. Erin lives in Melbourne, Australia, is 38 years old, engaged with a wedding coming up in June, and mother of four children. Welcome, Erin. Hi, Kate. How
1: are you? (laughs) Good. I'm so excited you're here. Uh I know. I can't wait. It's been a long time coming, our chat, I reckon. It has been
0: actually. It's been postponed (laughs) multiple times, but we're here and I'm very, very excited it's here. Um, My very first question to all experts is, how are your 30s going so far?
1: I love my 30s so much. I have had the most transformative decade I'm actually going to be pretty sad to see them go, even though I'm even more excited about my forties. I think you learn that in your thirties, you learn that, that it's actually okay to get older. You know, it's like, I love them. My thirties have been so fun. Oh, actually not always fun. Just so full. (laughs) So full, so many changes.
0: Yes. What makes you excited about turning 40?
1: Um, I just, the, the confidence I have in myself that I've already cultivated in my second half of my thirties, I would say like 35 until now, I just feel like is only going to get stronger and better. And you just start to self-reference more and more and more. And the comfort in that of kind of going, Oh my gosh, like I love, I really love me and I'm happy to be me, like all of me. And that's something that I feel will only get better in my 40s and, and bigger and louder in my 40s. That's really exciting that you feel that way. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's, it's like, look, let's hope it works out. Let's, yes. <laughs> like, yes. let's hope it actually matches up with that and it doesn't go backwards. But like, I can't wait. <laughs> I just feel real excitement for my 40s, like real excitement.
0: Yeah. I love that. And as a married woman.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, my God. Yeah. I was like. Me? Oh, yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, well, three, three engagements. And then this is my first wedding marriage coming up. So hopefully first and last. And um, yeah, it's, it's cool. I mean, that'll bring its whole, like I'll have a husband. So that's, I think that's, that's gonna be cool. I'm excited. It's so soon now. It's like a month away. So
0: yeah it is so soon oh so exciting for anyone who wants to learn more about your wedding you just put out an episode in your podcast the work and uh if you watch it on spotify you can see it on video as well so anyone who's interested in weddings or wants to learn more about you definitely go listen to that and you have founded the very successful company called triangle and you left that a couple years ago um most interviews you do these days is about that time at triangle but i want to focus on another uh, passion of yours and what you focus on more now which is self-worth and growth um and if the listeners do want to learn more about your history and success you did a couple great podcasts like the female startup club and the mentor with mark boris so if you want to learn more about the whole processes at triangle which is super interesting highly recommend listening to those episodes but you left Triangle because you felt like you had to choose between the business and yourself. Can
1: you explain what your mental state was back in those days? I took some mental health issues into Triangle, which I was 27 years old. So I feel like most girls would, you know, there was the lack of confidence and anxiety. And I had some real disordered eating challenges And so I didn't do any work on those at all, didn't really even think about it. It wasn't anything on my radar at all. I just thought it was normal, you know, late 20s stuff. And then getting into Triangle, which was this really successful business that became this huge thing that I'd never expected. And without any self-development work or any tools or any way to deal with these little things that I took into the business, they just got bigger and bigger because I was completely out of my depth with Triangle, which was fine. That was one thing. That was business. I was trying to learn and go with it. But all these other little personal issues that I was taking along with me and not working on just seemed to get bigger and bigger alongside the business getting bigger and bigger. Um, And it was really challenging for me during those years of success with Triangle as well to really share that I was struggling emotionally and mentally because no one really wants to hear about all this this me being so successful and living this dream life and having all this money and 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 success behind my you know like behind my name now saying that I was struggling mentally It, it I, I was so shameful even that I was struggling meant struggling mentally with with all of this you know glitz and glamour around me so I kept that all in and I internalized it which made it worse um you know which is kind of now looking back I'm like duh And so I tried to kind of ignore it and I tried to, you know, just make everything around me, you know, be enough and all the nice things. And I, Tried to ignore it until it got to a point I'd had two children during the triangle period um one in 2015 Oscar and that was our busiest year and then one in uh, Ollie in 2017 and so that was the end of 2017 and that was when things were really starting to fall apart um my professional relationship and romantic relationship with Craig and they were one in the same you know we met and and, and on our second date, Triangle was kind of born. So we never had really a romantic relationship that we nurtured. That was falling apart. Everything kind of fell apart. And so it became very hard for me to be able to, you know, ignore that mental health side of it um, once that all started to fall apart. And so I felt like, so I felt like when Craig and I separated, which was the end of 2017, that that would then be my problems would go away because I'd blamed Craig for a lot of my problems as you do in a romantic relationship. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's all your fault. And then I didn't feel any better. So I was like, okay. And then I thought, well, it must be triangle. It must be triangle. So I exited triangle, which is kind of a natural progression anyway. Um, and I thought, well, this will be it. And then I'll feel great. I'll feel amazing after this because Craig and triangle are gone. So I'm going to be happy and that didn't happen. So I realized that I had to go and do a lot of work on myself. Um, but I really did sort of exit the business and, and and leave the relationship with Craig thinking that would be enough to fix me and heal me and make me feel better. Um, and and because it was all that blaming other people and external, you know, thinking that that's going to fix things. If the things around me change, then I'll be okay. It's like, it's not it. Exactly. <laughs>
0: And then in an interview, you mentioned that it actually took you about four years to repair the relationship you had with yourself, as you mentioned it. Um, How were those four years and what kind of steps did you have to take to, to like get mentally okay again?
1: Yeah, look, it took a really long time. I mean, it's still going. It's nothing that Mm. is completely fixed and healed and patched up, you know, it had to, I had to go really Within and be really honest, and it was really uncomfortable. And I did that in stages because it's a lot to have to confront your own mental health and know that it is you that is causing all of this. It's it's nothing around you; it's you. Um, and so I exited triangle, separated from Craig. I stayed in Monaco. We were living there at the time, and then about six to eight months after that, I can't remember exactly how long. Um, I think it was six months after I exited the business, I moved back to Australia, which was really out of complete breakdown and and just a total collapse. And I just, everyone is back home in Melbourne and I just sort of have to be around friends and family. I had my two little boys and I just needed to be around them. So moved back. And of course I moved back and I was like, well, maybe this will be enough and just being home (laughs) will be be and, you know, so I did, I carried that along for a really long time. And you know what, when I started my healing journey and my spiritual sort of journey, because for me it was very spiritual because that was what I liked doing, um, it wasn't an immediate linear line of growth either. You know, I dipped my toe in and I was doing still a lot of toxic things. I still had a terrible relationship with my body and with, you know, the way I saw the world and it was still very much, you know, Craig and I were having issues anyway, so... Blaming him still felt very natural, and it was always me holding myself in a real victim state for for quite a while. You know, it wasn't it wasn't something that was always apparent, or something that I would maybe have the foresight to go, "Oh, I think I'm I'm the one with those issues," and then something would happen, and I would blame someone else again. You know, so it was it was sort of like two steps forward, one step back always. And sometimes it was more like two you know one step forward, two steps back. And so that's why it took so long as well because I took the time to be really honest with myself and deal with things one by one that I needed to deal with to believe in myself again. And it wasn't really even like I did did it with this goal of healing from these things. It was just this overarching feeling of I have to feel, I want to feel like myself again. Like I want to feel, that was it. It was just that simple. And I didn't even know what that meant really because who was myself? I just knew that I didn't feel good. And I knew there was something better. I just had that feeling. It's like anyone that goes through you know, when you're out of balance and when you're out of whack, but you have no idea what it's going to look like to get back in balance. And through that journey of all these different spirituality sort of modalities, I just really built this level, this foundational level of understanding of who I am in every way, and, you know, it wasn't even, a, there were no aha kind of moments. It's just every time I look back, even like, you know, I get a few months ahead and then I look back on those last few months and I'm like, oh, I've even grown since then, you know, and so that's constantly happening and that's the real beauty of it because you kind of get to a point where you do go, I now know I'm never going back to that because I know how far I've come and the foundations are just too rock solid now to ever let that sort of get through and that's a beautiful feeling but it was a long one and I think for most people it will be it would be a long journey if you're really honest with yourself because it's too hard to go cold turkey and cut out all the things that don't serve you you know it's like too it would it would it would be too disruptive <laughs> you'd be like just in a cocoon for months like scared to do anything but you had to be gradual very gradual
0: After working on yourself and you took time to find out what your passion was and you realized that it's empowering women and mentoring them as well. Why is this so important to you?
1: Um, It's just something that came about quite organically. You know, I moved back when I moved back to Australia and I was, you know, I was kind of still trying to clutch onto this triangle person this persona and this ego of being the founder of triangle and i was so desperate to cling on to that because i thought that that would at least make me feel safe by being back home you know because it's it wasn't a backward step but it did feel a bit like people would be like what you know what's going on or you know i'm i just and i just wanted to hold on to that identity because i was like look what i did and this is all i've got because i don't feel anything else within me so i'm going to hang on to this I started to kind of, I, I don't even you know how it happened. A few people, I would vote, i would kind of honestly, because I'm very honest and I sort of just say things and so it wouldn't take long for someone to ask a question for it all to unravel and me to tell the truth. And it was never like, a, oh, it was just a very matter of fact, this is what's happened and this is what I'm going through. And what I found was that people connected with that way more than hearing about the triangle stuff. You know, people were dumbfounded to know what I was going through during that time. And almost like found it comforting to kind of go, wait, so you had the money and the success and you weren't happy. And it almost was like, oh, so I I can jump off the hamster wheel of chasing that in my own life because it might not actually get me all these things. You know, it was sort of this. And I was like, wow, that's, 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 that's this power in telling that. And so I started to just kind of tell that story more and more and, it was so empowering for me as well as probably being empowering for the people hearing it. And so I was like, I'm just going to continue doing that. And then I I just began to find my feet more and it was a long process. I took years to really, to really ground in what I wanted to do in, in this space and because I am this mix of everything. I'm, you know, I, I, I'm spiritual, but I love aesthetics and I'm like very into how I look, but I'm more about how I feel. And like, I'm a walking contradiction. And I think there's so much beauty in that because it's honest, because we all kind of want that, you know, like most of us want all these different things that perhaps clash with each other, but they don't, if you really are okay with, who you are in that respect. And it all aligns in your own way. And you know, why you like those things and they serve you in a good way. So that's just kind of how it's all evolved really very naturally, very slowly, but very naturally. And
0: for women who are living very busy lives, like you're a mom of four, you would know exactly what a busy life looks like. How can they find their passion and pursue it? Do you have any tips for that?
1: it what helped me because I was the person that genuinely thought I just when God or whoever up there was handing out passion and purpose mine was just left at the door and I forgot to pick it up I just thought you know I wasn't going to get it they just I would do things and people would say that and what is it and I'm like I'm never gonna I'm never I remember this so clearly I used to think all the time I'm never gonna find this and I thought that triangle must have been it and then it was just never going to make me feel fulfilled. So I was like, well, that's my passion and my purpose. And I'm just going to have to navigate through that and make that work for me. So what helped me when I realized that that definitely just wasn't triangle and that was okay, that that wasn't my purpose and it's not my passion was to just go, what do I, and simplify it. And to know that the smallest things that bring you joy can turn into the biggest things That ignite your passion and help you find your purpose, like tiny things, like, and allowing yourself to honor those in those moments. I, my fashion, it was something I always, you know, was kind of about. And, you know, it's not really just silly. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want to make a career out of it. And I didn't want to make it into being a stylist or, or doing anything like that. But I allowed myself to feel joy in doing these simple things as getting ready in the morning, just for me, just like something for me. And I started to do that in different areas of my life and honor those small moments. And through that, it was this feeling of, of, of worthiness holistically, you know, like I didn't go out and find my passion and my purpose and say, I'm going to go and find those. I'm going to go and hunt them down. It was just a simplified thing of I'm going to sit and honour the things that I actually find that bring me real joy, you know, and simple things like having a hot shower, reading a book, you know, some people love to go on that quest for finding yummy, healthy chocolate that's this or that's that. And then they think it's silly, so they don't honour it or they tiny things are the things that when they accumulate, are the things that bring you that joy and that might lead you down to finding passion and a purpose at whatever stage it is cuz the other thing is some people don't find it until their 40s or until their 50s and that's okay too. It's just we always hear about the ones that seem to literally live it from the time they're 14 and you're like what Damn I, that's not me. <laughs> you know. So yeah, so it's really just being okay with your own timeline that you're on and knowing that it's, it, it can often come from the most hopeless feeling where you find your passion and your purpose and that's exactly what happened with me
0: okay that sounds very hopeful you're
1: right you want to teach women to be more selfish
0: and that is a bit of a trigger word for me i noticed uh, why is it important to be selfish sometimes for better mental health
1: Because no one else will put you first but you, you know, and that's something that I have said well before Triangle, well before anything. It's just I used to just wonder why selfish was bad when I was, like, younger, you know, like in my 20s even. And I just always thought I'm going to own being selfish. And what I didn't realise is that it actually is one of the most important things because no one – no one else, you no, know, no one else will put you first. You have to, like you have to put yourself first. And I, ca- I just, ca- it's very simple. I just carry that, that through my life. And sometimes, you know, I do it in a mindful way. You know, I, I've got four kids, so it's like you know, we're really <laughs> sick about selfishness, but I like being selfish and I don't think it's a bad word. I think that society's given it a bad word. And when you look it up in the dictionary, it's a bad, it's not a great word, but it's like. I think being selfish is far better than being selfless because what that, that is a scary word by definition. It's like (laughs) selfless, like that's who wants to have less self, you know, self is, is like, that is our life force. That is our fuel, our self, our sense of self, our self worth, our self belief. So I would like to be on the fuller side of self than the more diminishing side of self. So I'm, I'm a big advocate for being selfish. (laughs)
0: how can we be more selfish without disappointing people around us because I think that's the thing that I'm most scared of but at the same time we probably shouldn't really care about it but how do we
1: deal with that best it's like any decision like that where you're going to have to face maybe not being liked or maybe disappointing someone or letting people down it's stepping into it very gently and slowly And feeling your way through it, knowing as well that you might make some selfish decisions that were too far one way and kind of going, okay, that was too much. (laughs) I'm going to learn from that. I'm not going to be selfish in that respect. You know, like I would never, I don't apply selfish in the way of, of sort of taking a bath at 7.30 and letting Zach put the kids to bed and just being like, I'm going to luxuriate. Selfish for me is knowing what my beliefs and my values are and then honouring them. So turning down events or dinners with people that you just burned out and you just know or, you know, I'm a, like I am like I postpone and cancel things a lot, as you would know, because I, I have to put myself first with my needs And I do that honoring what I know is best for me, really best for me. It's not a flippant decision. It's a really considered decision. And I'm getting even better now to the point where I can be selfish before I let people down in that way. So I plan things in advance going, you know you're not going to want to do you know, and I lean into my intuition more and more to go, I'm going to book that in on that day at that time and I know this and I know that and it's understanding, really understanding who you are and knowing your boundaries and setting them slowly and and gently, you know, And, and having conversations with the people you love as well to be honest and say I'm trying really hard to do this for me. Because that's the thing, I think a lot of, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I have to be selfish and I'm going to internalize that and then I'm just going to say no to things and not go to that and do that and not explain to anybody why I'm doing this. Most people are surprised by the lack of context about it. Whereas if you're just honest and vulnerable and say, I booked this in and I actually, you know, I can't this or to your partner or whatever, or even to my children, I'll say it, you know, mommy can't read a book tonight. Because mummy's exhausted and mummy's been, and they will understand. In fact, the more I say, the more they understand and the more they're like, okay, fine, all right, tomorrow night. You know, I can kind of say that and just keep a little bit of context and it's okay.
0: I do actually think that's a really good tip. As long as you give some context and be honest about why you might be overwhelmed or need to cancel something, you can, you don't have to feel bad about it.
1: Exactly, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with getting it wrong as well and then the next day saying, I'm really sorry that might have disappointed you and I probably let you down and I was just this and I apologize for that. That's something I'm really c- like mindful of doing and I do less now because I am better at managing my time and so I don't get into those situations as much, but that happens as well, you know, and I and just saying, just saying that was actually not very good of me, sorry, I can do better, Is very, it's very appreciated because it's honest and most people just don't, they don't want to be seen like the bad person so they don't say it when it's actually helpful to, to explain even if you did something that was really too, too selfish or, you know, too whatever.
0: Okay, I'm definitely taking this on board. I, this is a really yeah. good idea. <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, talk about self-worth for a little bit. How was your yes. self-belief when you left the business?
1: it was very low. It was non, it was non-existent. It was, it was felt like everything was happening around, happening around me and, and nothing because of me in, in, in that respect. So it was, it was extremely low.
0: Do you see a lot of women lacking self-belief? Um, and if you do, how can women catch it themselves that their self-belief is low?
1: Yeah, I feel like the more your self belief is low, the more you um, probably seek external validation, or the more you know, like judgy you are. I feel like when I when I'm doing those things and I get really judgmental, it's when I'm going through a point of uncertainty in my own life and like a bit of a shift and a bit of something, and it's uncomfortable. So I look outwards, and you know, if you start if you're doing that a lot. Other things that, you know, women I find doing so much is just such punishment towards their own bodies and minds and that, you know, eating and toxic relationships with with exercise and, you know, that's a lack of self-belief. It's a, It really is because you're not self-referencing, you're not going, you're not. You're not understanding enough about yourself. I mean, I did it for such a long time and I still can find myself falling into habits that are natural to me in terms of more. Sometimes I'll, you know, not restrict what I eat as much because that's something that I've really worked on. But other, other things like punishing through exercise is a pretty, I can burn myself out through that a lot. I have to walk a fine line between an adequate amount and too much. And for a lot of women, it's like anything that's really toxic behaviors like that, that doesn't serve them. That is a lack of self-worth and self-belief because it's just, it's just saying I, I'm not enough. It's just that simple. And I have to do these things to be enough. And it's just really sad because it is the norm. You know, people that work on themselves are the exception where the, we're the minority and that's, what I'm really out to try and shift because that's just insane and so sad because the amount of women that just aren't living to any, not even their full potential, to any kind of level of potential, even like up to halfway would be good, but they're down the very bottom, you know, of just hating themselves and then hating everyone around them and blaming everyone around them. And I only say this because I lived it so much for so long and it's just such a terrible way to live and it doesn't have to be that way and it just has to you just have to kind of like start doing a little bit to kind of start to come out of it you know but at the same time it's got to shift into some kind of mainstream popularity this movement because until it does, people will just still think that it's okay to treat themselves in that way and talk to themselves in that way and talk about others in that way and all these normalised things that we do that are just funny and, oh, no, you know, like massive hangovers and, like, ha, ha, ha. It's like that's, you know, and, like, oh, I haven't eaten. I just haven't, like, wed shred or that, you know, and, like, I just ate an apple today but I trained hot, I doubled Pilates class and hot Pilates. It's like... Hey, I'm pretty sure that's not balanced behavior, but that's normal. It's normal to talk like that and be like that. And it's just like, it's just got to change.
0: Yeah, that's pretty toxic for sure. Your mantra is the smallest things can have the biggest impact. But what are some other tricks we can implement to work on our self-belief and the relationship we have with ourselves?
1: Yeah. Look, it's, it's, again, it's just doing the, it's doing those small things, you know, the work for you, everyone has their different ways. There's, you know, sitting in nature, there's journaling and there's, and, and these are things that a lot of people will find don't resonate with them. I love talking. So I wanted to sit with people that were experts in whichever area and talk and, and hear them give their advice and thoughts on what I'm saying. I th- just like therapy, but like different, different people in different ways. That was my thing. I tried journaling, tried meditating, tried walking. It didn't work. But for me, it was that expression of getting it out through my voice. That was the most helpful thing. And so figuring out what that is for you, and it's different. And that's, I think, a lot of people get stuck because they'll be like, Oh, I don't, I tried meditating and I hate it. I'm, I'm not, it's not for me. It's like, Okay, well, then what else could be for you? Are you a journaler? Are you, are you someone that can write down your thoughts and let them out that way? Because all we're trying to do is quieten our mind and release our thoughts to allow other things to come in because we've got all these thoughts in a day and they're crazy and chaotic at times. And we're just trying to let them just slow down and we're trying to actually like sit with them and understand them because they're not all bad. You know, there's some thoughts in there of going, I'm a good person. I like this. That was nice. That felt good. And it's like stopping and paying attention to those. Whereas a lot of people are just like focusing on those crazy thoughts or the next thoughts or whatever it is. So it's just like finding those little things that work for you that you can do daily and then understanding what else might be there for you next after that. Really small little things like that. Nothing crazy. The thing is there's no trick to self-development and feeling better. There's no secret key that people give out. It's time and it's being honest and it's, it's just making that decision wherever you are in your life. And there's going to be a point with everyone where, you know, hopefully where they just get tired of their own bullshit and they go, this is the day, I'm tired of my shit. And like when you feel that, when you have a moment, when you have that window, and we all have it at different times, I would have had it many times through triangle, that window of going, I'm bloody tired of my shit. Like act on that moment, act on that and go, what am I going to do then? Before you let all the other thoughts of, yeah, but it's this, but it's that, but it's this. Because when you have that thought of going, I'm really tired of myself, that's the moment to take action and fix it.
0: Let's um, talk about your children and your busy life for for another minute. Um, what tips do you have for busy moms to make it all work?
1: You know, I'm very fortunate. I have a lot of help at home. I'm not managing four kids on my own. I have a very supportive husband. I have help at home and we have nannies. We have a rotation of nannies because there's four children and we want everyone to be looked after. It is a tough one because You know, we're in a society where we don't have as much help as we used to, you know. They say it takes a village and no one has villages anymore. And so it is lonely and isolating. And, you know, if you're really busy as a mum, just try and find, like, try... not everything has to be done at the same time. You know, I think as, as mothers, we're, we're so often martyrs and we say yes to everything and we take things on and we're always like, pile it on me. I can do it all, pile it on me. And then you resent every single person for piling shit on you even though you said, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. It's very much, you know, women that I know are ambitious women are like the women that say yes to everything and then hate everyone for it. And it's like just start to say no to things Be okay with the laundry that piles up if you're exhausted. Be okay with the chaos at times. You know, something I learned when we went from, it was really when we went from two to three kids, but especially three to four, is that the house will never be tidy. Even with the help I have at home, the house will never be tidy. You know, there'll always be someone screaming. There'll always be a level of total chaos in the house And knowing, and this always helps me so much when I think about it, that in 10 years even, I'm going to miss this time so much, and I really am, and knowing that this is going to be over and I'll be alone, Zach and I will be on our own and thinking, remember when they used to climb into bed, remember when they used to, even the night call-outs, because obviously four kids, is always someone bloody awake at night, and it's like, (laughs) even though you think in 10 years, I'm going to crave a child to wake up and come into my bed. I'm going to crave a warm little body in my bed at nighttime, keeping me awake. And so that that's the stuff that gets me through in those moments. Sometimes it's more on reflection than in the moment. And I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> I'll be grateful. But it's just knowing that and, rem- and, and also knowing that you know you're going to yell and scream and you're going to act in ways that are so not aligned with what how you want to be as a mother but just being okay with that i apologize to my kids if i yell if i say something nasty i apologize i stop i we calm down i look at them in the eyes and i tell them that that was not okay by me and i become very vulnerable in that moment and the way that has enriched everyone's lives because the mother's the anchor of the house has been really profound. Before
0: we started recording, you mentioned that um, you work out at 6am before the kids wake up. So I guess that's a way for you to take time for yourself. Um, Are there other moments in the day where you really seek some alone time or some time for yourself and recharge?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I go through phases with it as well. Sometimes I need it more than other days and some days I'll, You know, get a massage and like a foot massage usually because I can be on my phone then, still half working. (laughs) Like I go through phases where I have more needs to take that downtime. You know, or I'll go for a walk at ten a.m. or I will, you know, not do something that I was going to do. I've become very good at assessing my day and just going, this is not today. I have to take a step back. And they're in phases, you know, and. You want to honour those times when you feel a little bit like an inkling of I need a little bit more self-care here, I need a bit more slowing down, I need a bit of alone time before it gets to the point where you absolutely need it and you are desperate for it and you're just burning out, you know. You can't ignore those times when you're like I would love a little bit, no, I'm okay. That No, you're not okay. You need to honour it then when you think you probably need a moment, when you need to just sit and have that coffee instead of getting a takeaway and doing a million other jobs that you need to go and do everything can usually wait you know there's a lot of things we always have to do the list doesn't stop that's one thing that took me a while to get my head around that there's always a to-do list that never yeah. gets, gets bigger things can wait on the days when you really just need to take that because otherwise you will burn out and there's this, just like not that's terrible for everyone yeah, then everyone's
0: taking a step back, especially if you are the anchor of the family, like you mentioned. Exactly.
1: Um, is it correct? You're writing a book. I it fin- Yes, it's finished. It. Um, yeah, it comes out this year. <laughs> I fit, somehow somehow wrote a book this year, which I don't actually know how. That was a lovely process. I really. I really enjoyed having that purpose every day. And sometimes that's the thing about purpose too, is that it doesn't have to be a forever thing. And I had such lovely purpose in being a writer at some point every day. What is it about? It's my triangle story. So Mm. it is a memoir of sorts. I would say part one of my memoir because I'm only 38. So I feel like if things go well, there should be a part two. It's probably, you know... I don't want to have just one, but it is. It's sort of my life to date, um, the the rise and rise of Triangle and then the mental health struggles that I had. So it's a really honest, very, very raw book. There's some stuff in there that no one I've ever told anyone about. Um, only Craig would really know because he lived so much of it. So um, that's a, it'll be good. It'll be a good one when it comes out, I think.
0: I'm excited to read it. Very excited. So my final question at the end of every episode is if you could give the listeners one takeaway, what would it be?
1: (sighs) What would it be? To just know that you're not alone in the things that you feel at times about yourself, I feel like the biggest thing that stops people moving forward in their self development journey, especially, is the fear that what they feel and go through is worse than what anyone else is going through, and that's just not true. the 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 toxic thoughts we can have that float through our head about everything about being a mom, about you know our, the way we look, about our partner, about our lives, all these things. It's we all feel these think these awful things sometimes and then we're so shameful about that some of us that it stops us from moving forward and just don't let those thoughts stop you from moving forward because I'm telling you if you felt some toxic stuff I've felt it too because I've been through that stuff so yeah just know that you just you're not alone in that to not let it stop you moving forward at all because it's so important to keep moving forward for everyone
0: for everyone. That is such a good takeaway. Thank you so much. I really, really, really enjoyed talking to you about this and learning more about you, getting to know you better. This is really fun. Um, your mentoring is already full for this year, I believe, right?
1: Look, it is, but I am working on putting up some new, um, my ongoing clients, are, like I can't take any more on, but I will be able to open up to take sort of one-on-one, one-off, um, we're working really hard behind the scenes to get some, some offers up like offering up there as well as, some um, just a lot more, a lot more accessibility to me in a helpful advisory way.
0: Okay. Perfect. And you'll announce that on your socials at Erin Daring. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. I will,
1: we'll be up there.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Also follow you for fashion because you mentioned it earlier. Fashion is uh, is a huge passion of yours and you yeah. are great at it. You've got amazing <laughs> style. So go follow you at Erin Deering and uh, go listen to the podcast, The Work, and especially on Spotify where you can also see you.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much, Pete. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Please give this podcast a five-star review. This really helps with growing and reaching a bigger audience. Follow us on TikTok and Instagram at 30 and a bit Podcast, and we will be back next week.
3: Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue, but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old,